So we're going into Phoenix, and uh, we're, I think it was Sky Harbor, and uh, there's these bank of lights, six lights, uh, in the shape of a triangle going back right over the airport. And Oliver said, uh, hey, Pa, what are those lights? And, it was, and I said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they are. And so anyway, I called up the tower, and I said, what are you guys painting tonight over the, over the airport? And they said, we're not showing anything. What, what are you seeing? I said, well, there's six lights in a row. And they said, do you want to report this? And I said, I, look, I, I can't identify it. It's flying, and it's six objects. Generation X Paranormal. Well, hey everybody, welcome back. Hey everyone. We are Generation X Paranormal. At the beginning, we kind of wanted to give you guys a, a little bit of a heads up. If you didn't know already, we do have a Facebook. Um, it is Generation X Paranormal Podcast. Um, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of new subscribers, so we'd like for you guys to uh, come join us there, too. We can probably get a little bit more into detail with you guys one-on-one -on -one there, mm -hmm. um, and I think I think it worked out pretty good for everybody, but uh, yeah. In any case, so today's episode, I got to be honest, it's one of the ones that I've been wanting to do for quite a while. Um, mm -hmm. So long story short, I'm from the area. I'm from Tucson. Um, I lived most of my life in Tucson. Yes, for a very long period of time, I also lived in San Diego, but I would say my, my home is Tucson, Arizona, hometown, if you will. Mm -hmm. And this particular incident happened at a very interesting time in my life. So it was a very personal, very personal episode. Okay. Um, and if you haven't guessed already, what this is about is the Arizona lights. Okay. Now, it's called the Arizona lights, but I think it's a really unfortunate uh, way to call them because it wasn't just the Arizona lights. No, the Phoenix so, lights. Right. Not just that, though, but it wasn't just in Arizona. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, UFO over the skies of Arizona, Nevada. This all happened on March 13th of 1997. Okay. Lights varying from uh, all, all sorts of different descriptions from 20,000 people. 20,000 people. Uh, between 7.30 p.m. and 10.30 Mountain Standard Time in a space of about 300 miles. That's a very long clip of distance mm -hmm. from the Nevada state line through Phoenix and to the edge of Tucson. And that's Tucson, Arizona, of course. Now, some witnesses describe seeing what appeared to be a huge V-shaped UFO containing six lights. Now, there were two separate instances here. Yeah, yeah. And it's really important to line that out because... I'm going to show you, we're going to show you some video clips on this and there's going to be one event. It's the only event that technically has video, uh, I guess, corroborated video. Mm -hmm. However, the other one does not, but that does not mean that it didn't come with a whole lot of corroborated sightings. Now these two events, one was a triangular formation of lights seen to pass over the state and a series of stationary lights seen over the Phoenix area. And sort of getting into this, we're going to jump a little bit into some witness accounts, okay? Now, as I said, this was seen by a lot of people, mm -hmm. so there's a lot. But there are some really good, interesting ones that we're going to kind of bring to light here. But on March 13th of 1997, at 7.55 Mountain Standard, 
a witness in Henderson, Nevada. Now, Henderson is sort of right just up above the Arizona state line. I can't remember exactly how far, but it's not very far. Like we said, 300 miles or so. So not terribly far. Reported seeing a large V-shaped object traveling southwest. Now, southeast. Southeast, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What I'll probably do is put up a map in this video to kind of show you, but I'll explain a little bit too. But what this is doing is it's just going southeasterly direction, and it's hitting a lot of spots on the way down. Mm-hmm. So now keep in mind, 7.55, now at 8.15 p.m., that's not that long of a time, um, an unidentified former police officer in Paulden, Arizona. Now, Paulden, Arizona, if memory serves in the northwestern, northeastern corner, or no, I'm sorry, northwestern corner of Arizona, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it, it's still well over 300 miles away from just the state line of Arizona. And we went from now Hendersonville to to very far into Arizona in a very short amount of time. So you reported seeing a cluster of reddish-orange lights disappear over the southern horizon. Shortly afterwards, there were reports of light seen over Prescott Valley, Arizona. Now, this is, this is again, this is a pretty good clip of, of distance. This isn't something that you're going to just, I mean, it, it would probably take, what, what would you think, at least an hour, a couple hours of flight time? Yeah, I mean... Driving across that desert takes forever. <laughs> so yeah. it's going pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's moving extremely fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a family, uh, Tim Lay and his wife, Bobby, his son, Hal, and his grandson, Damien Turnridge, first saw the lights when they were about 65, ma- 65 miles away from them. Wow. Okay. So that's That's pretty a far away, yeah. Yeah. Now, at first, the lights appeared to them as five separate and distinct lights in like an arc shape, as if they were on top of a balloon, is what Hmm. they said. Okay. But they soon realized that the lights appeared to be moving towards them as opposed to away. Now, over the next 10 or so minutes, the lights appeared to come closer. The distance between the lights increased, Hmm. which is interesting. And they took on the shape of an upside down V. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, eventually, when the lights appeared to be a couple of miles away, the family said they could make out a shape that looked like a 60-degree carpenter square. So you know what the carpenter square is. Yeah, and some call them a speed uh, speed square or something like that. Mm -hmm. It it is. It's just a perfect triangle that's used to kind of get distance in your right angles. Right. And they said there was like five lights set into it. Hmm. So not like sitting on top. Right. Like in... Inside, like right. not inside, but like set into it. Yeah, it was like, obviously a part of the ship. Right, right, right. Now, with one of the lights on the front and two on each side. Okay, gotcha. So one probably pretty bright in the front, and, and then a couple. Two, yeah. So a total of five, just kind of going. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm guessing two, like if you want to say wings. Right. Two on each wing, and then one. At one the front. in the front. Yeah. yeah, is what I'm thinking. And it's probably very similar to the to the bomber. If, if you know what yeah, the stealth bomber looks like. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking like. about yeah. when I'm talking right. about it, yeah. Now, soon, the object the object, um, with the lights appeared to be moving toward them about 100 to 150 feet above them. That's close. Yeah. That's really close. Traveling so slowly that it gave the appearance of a silent hovering object. Hmm. Which seemed to pass over their heads and went through a V opening in the peaks of the mountain range toward... Piastua, 
Piestoa. Piestoa. Yeah, that's what <laughs> so we believe. It's yeah. a native native mm-hmm. word. Piestoa Peak Mountain and toward the direction of Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Now, I know exactly where this is. <laughs> We've only been through that airport a gazillion times. Can't even enumerate how many times we've been in that airport. But I have not heard of this this peak. Um, I mean, there's so many. Right. I mean, there's mountains everywhere over Arizona. I mean, and each peak has a different name, so I'm not shocked yeah. that I don't know the name of this. I mean, most people remember like Camelback and stuff yeah, like Camelback that. Yeah, Camelback you always see. You can <clears throat> see from the airport. Um, but Piestoa. Piestoa. Peak. I've never even heard of it. I'm going to look for it now. <laughs> <laughs> now, folks, I I need to impress upon you, especially for our audience that's not in the States. Phoenix is mm-hmm. a is an enormous city. I think third or fourth, maybe even fifth largest city in our nation. It, it's not small by any no. stretch of the mean. No. And Sky Harbor is an enormous airport. Mm-hmm. So when when we kind of bring this up, um, those of you who know Phoenix obviously know, but those of you who don't, it is not something just to be taken lightly. We're talking about a massive metropolitan area. Yeah, I mean it's not New York City. No, but I mean I would admit New York City is a huge city, but it's all kind of squashed Very together in so. a tiny little area, which yes. is what makes it so big. And there's so many people, and everything's Phoenix is huge and very spread. However. Out. It's spread out. So if you were to take New York City and just kind of pull it apart a little bit and spread it out and then with nothing around it, that to me is kind of what Phoenix is. Yeah. I mean, that's not too And you add about, I don't know, 70 degrees on top of it. (laughs) On a good day. And then you get Phoenix. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Well, yeah. Not to mention that it's surrounded by mountains. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's got – I would tell you that it is literally – the, well, it's the biggest city in, in, in Arizona. Yes. And it's definitely one of the biggest cities on the West Coast before you start hitting some of the Californian cities. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, that's, that's really important to impress upon people that don't know the, the area or don't know the, the geography. Right. And this is why this was so big because yeah. – And why so many people saw it. Yeah. I mean, this a is a lot big of people city. Saw this. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into more of that here. Mm-hmm. Between 830 and 845, witnesses in Glendale. Now, Glendale is a suburb of Phoenix. Okay. Saw the light formation pass overhead at an altitude high enough to become obscured by thin clouds. So high enough, yeah, but big enough for them to see it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, amateur astronomer Mitch Stanley in Scottsdale, Arizona also observed the high altitude lights flying in formation. I'll take a break there because mm-hmm. this is going to be important later. Mm-hmm. Flying in formation through a telescope. Now, according to Stanley, they were quite clearly individual airplanes. So take that for what it's worth. Right. (laughs) Um, Approximately at 10 p.m. that same evening, a large number of people in the Phoenix area reported seeing a row of brilliant lights hovering in the sky or or slowly falling. Now, a number of photographs and videos were taken, which, of course, we're probably going to show that in this video, um, prompting Robert or author Robert Schaefer to describe them as perhaps the most widely witnessed UFO in history. That's not to be taken lightly. No, no. And one thing I think people don't understand, if you've never been to the desert, and for me it was my first time, the sky looks so big and massive because 
like here and we're in Missouri, you got the tall trees. So it mm-hmm. kind of blocks out that sky. But in Phoenix, now if you're downtown, you got the yeah. big buildings, that's different. But when you get kind of on the outskirts, I mean, there's nothing blocking that view. You don't have the great big tall trees that we have. I mean, the cactus can get really tall. Well, sure. But they're well, out in the distance. Right. So you you feel like you're almost like in a dome. You know that it's what's exactly that thing what that they like. opened in Vegas that big Oh, the was it the eye or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Like you're sitting and it's like the, the whole arc there you can see the sky. So it's a very wide open sky and something about Arizona which I'll let you explain is they have have what are called what is it the dark dark night cities or something like right. that. Right. So it's the lower amount of light pollution. So mm-hmm. keep in mind this is where I'm from and I've seen the evolution of cities grow which kind of sucks. It's cool but it's kind of kind of crappy too because you know, I always remember in Arizona and I'm going to talk a little bit about this where you could drive out in the middle of the desert and it is without any kind of moonlight, you are screwed. You can't see a thing. No, it's dark. And Nicole's 100% right because you almost it's so dark that you almost can see the the curvature of our atmosphere. Now, I know a lot of people won't may or may not understand that. And maybe I'm not explaining it well enough, but you kind of get that sense you of do. like you can see the dome. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, Kitt Peak, which is in my hometown of Tucson, is one of the biggest national observatories. So they have a, a you know telescope out there. Now, I think they mainly study the sun from there, but I think they do a few other things, too. But, I mean, light pollution is so low still in the desert that... It is it is prime time astronomy. In fact, that was my planetary science was my minor, um, and I can tell you that my buddy Danny, if he's listening, we spent I can't tell you how many hours looking through telescopes through Arizona sky, and it is it is something amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see everything. It's crystal clear, and it is why you know University of Arizona and some of these places are so important to the astronomy community. Right. And I don't know if Phoenix is one of these cities. Probably not because no. it's a big city. But I yeah. know um, Marana, where we live for a while outside of Tucson, is. Yep. And Sedona is. Yep. Um, where you don't have street lights, <laughs> anything like that. They want to keep it right. dark and that, so that people can see the sky. And that's something I did forget to add is that they, are, they actually are purposely not allowing mm-hmm. light pollution for this very reason. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that just kind of goes to the fact that there's not all these lights. You can see stuff in the sky. And I can tell you as an Arizona native, you can see a lot of stuff. There are many mm-hmm. times when we were out there looking through a telescope where we're like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Right. Now, see, if something like this would have happened in, like, New York, per se, would it have been seen as wildly? Probably not. Probably not. You know, buildings you know would have obscured Well, yeah, it. buildings, yeah. but just all the lights. I mean, think about yeah. all the lights in New York. It would have blocked most of that out. And that's that kind of to the point. This is why over 20,000 people saw this. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned this was witnessed by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But there was one witness that's very well known to everybody. Well, I would think most people. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the actor Kurt Russell now, if you don't know who he is, I mean, I'm a little surprised, but He's been in a ton of movies. Um, very... Well, they'll know him from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. The Guardian... new generation. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, yeah, I mean, the guy's been in just a ton of movies, right? Mm-hmm. 
But what people don't know is he's a, he, well, at this time anyway, he was a general aviation pilot. Okay. I think he does still fly, but I'm not sure. But what he said, he was in the area. Now, he says, quote, I saw six lights over the airport in absolute uniform in a V shape, and I reported it. And they said, we aren't showing anything. And I said, well, okay, I'm going to declare it. It's identified, and it's flying, and it's six objects, end quote. Now, <clears throat> the interesting thing apart uh, by uh, the interesting thing about that was in the official documentation of this incident um it's said that it's corroborated by a lot of people on the ground and one aviation pilot now it doesn't name Kurt Russell but, no. <laughs> but what's funny is he's been on a lot of uh a lot of interviews you know and stuff and said that that's him he's the guy um yeah. now listen Kurt Russell is probably a, a very astute man. I don't think he'd be fooled by, I don't know, no. you know, anything random. If it was enough for him, keep in mind, he's, he's seasoned enough as a pilot to fly himself from, and his son, incidentally, from Los Angeles to Phoenix. So he has some time behind yeah. the stick. He knows what he's doing. So... And also in the aviation community, you're not just going to report that. And I know a lot of uh, pilots won't report it. Right. Because they're more you know, likely not. To. Right. Because mm -hmm. they don't want to be, you know, they want to be wrapped in in one of these things. So, yeah, I always find that interesting because it's not just corroborated by, you know, people on the ground, but it's now being corroborated by somebody flying an airplane. It just happens to be and a ginormous superstar flying it. <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, who I love, by the way. Yeah, Kurt Russell's pretty amazing. One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and I didn't know how to just interject it. Um, but this is the perfect time because Kurt Russell's, I guess they're married now, yeah, right? They are Finally. Married. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Wife is Goldie Hawn. Yeah, she is. Okay. And Goldie Hawn just recently, just what, several few months ago, yeah. came out and talked about that she had an alien encounter mm -hmm. when she was younger. And there's something interesting about her alien encounter, which kind of wraps wild. us in a nice little bow. Yeah, <laughs> okay? sure does. So she says that she had this encounter in the deserts of California when she was okay. around like 20 years old or so. Okay. She's in her 70s now. Um, she said she had been dancing near the desert. I don't know what that means, but she was dancing near the desert. Hey, it's the seventies. <laughs> People are having a lot of fun out there. And she decided to go to sleep in a car. Okay. This right. is when it was safe to do so. Sure. And she says in quote, I got this high pitched sound in my ear. It was this high, high frequency. And I looked out the window and I saw these two or three triangular shaped heads. Oof. She said the aliens were quote, silver in color, hmm. with a slash for a mouth, had tiny noses and no ears. Interesting. They were pointing at me, pointing at me in the car as if they were discussing me like I was a subject. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they were droning, which I'm not sure what that means. I don't droning. know. Droning. Um, I could not move. I was paralyzed. I didn't know if it was real or not real. Okay. Maybe so like probably sleep paralysis just, type thing. Yeah, or just scared to death. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that could do it too. Yeah. Um, eventually she said she was able to burst out of the eerie encounter, like bursting out of a force field. So kind of like it just went away is what my guess is. Sure. 
She said she never fully remembered the encounter until she met with an astrophysicist at the University of Illinois who was researching alien encounters, and his questions triggered a new memory. Interesting. Mm-hmm. She says it was kind of like regression therapy or something. Okay. I am like almost in a trance and suddenly I remembered something. So almost like hypnotherapy? Maybe. Possibly. I mean, it definitely has that like feeling like a pa- past yeah. regression or something. Yeah. Yeah. And th- I mean, that's typically like a hypnotherapy. They're not fully out, but they're right. speak. And so that's what it sounds like to me. For sure. And she says during the session... Quote, they touched my face and it felt like the finger of God. It was the most benevolent, loving feeling. This was powerful. It was filled with light. Hmm. Which again goes with, you know, when we talked to Preston Dennett, which right. if you guys have not watched that episode, you Check should go back out. and watch it. It's, great, great it's episode. It's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the love again. Yeah. So that's... this is an, another, and this is coming from a famous actress. Yeah. Which is a little shocking that she's in, she's kept it quiet all these years and now she's coming out. I mean, about she's it. got to figure at this point in her stage in life, mm-hmm. she's like, "F it, I'm just gonna let it roll." Right, but the fact that both her and Kurt now have something to talk about. Sure. So this next part is what I'm ta- when I talked about the little bow. So right. she said that later in time, like after this happened, she was in Avebury in London. Okay. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and she dreamed. Of six lights over some mountains across a valley. Now, what does that sound like to you? <laughs> mm. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, she said after the dream, she and a friend drove to a place in Avebury with, there was, I guess, terrain similar to her dream. And a crop circle was in the shape of a heart appeared. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah. I, I just find the, the six lights over the mountains across a valley. That is interesting. And London doesn't. Does London, London doesn't have mountains, do they? Well, they got hills. I mean, and it's in the countryside. It wouldn't be like, right? you know. But I thought the mount, most of the mountains aren't until you get to Ireland and Scotland. Well, I think you're thinking of mountains like Wales. we kind of know mountains. As I mean, they probably thing. do. But if you're in Missouri, you're in the Ozark, Ozark mountains, mountains, which more right. more like hills. So. Yeah. But from what I know of London, it doesn't. But I guess this little town maybe, maybe right. it doesn't outside. But when I read that, I'm like, that's so weird because, <laughs> and I don't know at what point in her life this happened, but her and Kurt got together fairly young, yeah, I, I think... believe. Um, so this probably would have happened after they were together. Oh, it's going to be my guess. That's my guess. Yeah. But that's just crazy that, you know, he saw the Phoenix lights and now she had this encounter in the desert in California, which is, you know, right there close to that's not far. Nevada and Arizona. Yeah. So, it's just weird, like a weird coincidence. And I just wanted to mention it, even though it doesn't have anything to do with the Phoenix Lights per se. It kind of does. She may have actually it's premonitioned inter- it a little bit. It's it's very interesting. It is pretty that's interesting. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe she got, <laughs> that's another thing, is like, you know, in the, in the, the Preston Dennett case, they said they always, you know, some of these people that have encountered, you know, whatever it was. Right. Were given special gifts, right? Right. Different people talked about different gifts they were given. So could this have been like, hey, your husband's going to see this someday? Very likely. That's what kind of came to my mind about it. But I just wanted to mention it because I thought it was a really interesting little tidbit. It's very cool. (laughs) It is absolutely cool. Uh Uh-huh.
Okay, so hmm. kind of breaching into the official uh, statement mm -hmm. by the government. Now, folks, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie to you. I am I'm about to turn 50 this year, and I have been in the military. I was in the military for a very long time. Um, in the beginning, I was in the Navy, and I spent some time in the aviation community, and then I went into the Army, and I was an Army medic. I say all that to say I have every answer. I don't. That's not who I am. In fact, that's why we started this this pod, this podcast, this show, is that we just talk about these things and you know sort of bring it up. But there is a few things I can tell you I do know, and this is where it starts to breach into that. So officially, both sightings were reported due to aircraft participating in Operation Snowbird. I will have a little bit of Snowbird because if you're not from the Arizona area, Arizona, if you're not from Arizona, especially in the Tucson Phoenix areas, Snowbird is a moniker or a, I guess a, a way of saying, okay, it's not cold in Arizona during December. Well, like it's cold, but it's not like it's not, not cold. You know. <laughs> So cool. what happens, a lot of people from the Midwest and, and Upper East uh, Coast come down to Arizona to stay for an extended period of time during the summer. And most of these people are retirees. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it is, it are called snowbirds. So I'm so sorry because it's awful, but they have gray hair. So they're, they're older people they're older looking people for warmth in the looking winter Looking for time. warmth. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're kind of called snowbirds because of the gray hair driving around in their cars and it's warm. Anyway, long story short, that's kind of the explanation. Anyway, a pilot training group from the Air National Guard base in Davis-Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, the first two group of lights were later identified as a formation of A-10 Thunderbolt II aircraft flying over Phoenix while returning to Davis-Monthan. And the second group of lights were identified as illumination flares called LU-2s dropped by A-10s, the same A-10s, in a training exercise at the, at the Barry Goldwater Range in southwest Arizona. Now, the Barry Goldwater Range is in Phoenix, okay? Now, if you have ever been around an A-10 aircraft, there is 0.0 chance you could ever say it flew silent. It's called the Warthog. Okay, mm -hmm. that's what it's known as. In the army, we knew that being you know on ground, if you saw the warthogs coming, they're low level, and you could hear them coming from a very long ways away. Okay, and they're gonna bomb and do the things that military things do. Lou two, okay. So signal flares or flares. So you have a couple of different types of flares that come out of aircraft. Some of them are for what they call ECM. It's 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 so that when these aircraft are evading other aircraft that are firing weapons that are heat seeking weapons, the heat from these flares will will take that path and not hit the aircraft. Okay. They usually fly out kind of scattered at a very fast rate and could never be mistaken for something just hovering. That's one type of flare. Now this Lu 2 is a totally different type of flare. This Lu 2 the way I always remembered seeing it in the military, and I've gosh, can't even enumerate how many times I've seen a Lu-2 flare. It's it's got a parachute, so when they launch it, this flare has a parachute that comes down, and it descends. Now it doesn't come down fast, but it descends, and this is very important to this story. Okay, they are claiming, at least the official line is that these A-10 aircraft are launching these Lu-2 
um, flares and they are in formation, but it's not exactly how Lutus operate. Maybe for a split second they show up and then they are they kind of scatter. And when they are launched, they usually illuminate as they're launched. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, going into the explanation of this, the lights that were seen over the 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 airport, Sky Harbor, they were in a formation. Now they did come on in seek. They did not. I'm sorry. They did not come on in sequence. They kind of just variably came on. Okay. Now here's the part that you need to remember. They stayed in formation. Mm-hmm. They did not descend. They did not ascend. They stayed in that same spot. Now, there may not be a ton of wind in Phoenix, but there's a little. <laughs> and at least yeah. there's wind aloft, meaning up in the sky. There is 0.0 chance that a Lu 2 flare, especially a whole bunch of them, would stay in one spot for a very long period of time. And incidentally... When these things flickered off, they were still in the same pattern. That's that. So, and then people are stating that the second sighting, the one where they saw these V-shaped aircraft coming to Davis-Monthan Air Force. Now, Air Force Base. Now, I live in Tucson. Davis-Monthan Air Force Base is in Tucson. And if you've ever been there long enough and those the A-10s are flying, you can hear them from... Marana to yeah. Vail. They are loud. Mm-hmm. There's nothing silent about them. No. And more importantly, there's nothing V-shaped about them at all. No. Okay. Now, I'm going to get a little bit more into it later about how I feel what could have happened here. But I just wanted to give you from a military standpoint, this does not exactly add up. Okay. I'll explain more later, but... That's kind of why I feel. But shortly after the 1997 incident, Arizona Governor Fife Symington, he held a press conference joking that they found who was responsible, which <laughs> I remember this. Um, he revealed his aide dressed as an alien in costume. Now, he caught a lot of crap for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did not go over well. And then later in 2007, Symington reported he told a UFO investigator that he also had a personal encounter with the alien spacecraft, but remained silent because he didn't want to panic the populace. So he saw him too. He, he saw, saw him too. too. He saw mm-hmm. it too. Now, according to Symington, he says, "I'm up." Now, incidentally, Symington was also a Air Force pilot. Yes, he was. <laughs> so he says, "Quote: I'm a pilot, and I know just about every machine, every machine that flies. It was bigger than anything that I've ever seen, and it remains a great mystery. Other people saw it. Responsible people." Mm-hmm. End quote. Symington said Thursday or said, I don't know why people would ridicule it. Right. Now, he probably felt pretty bad about about doing the thing with the alien. And he ate a lot of crow over that. Yeah. Well, the one thing I, I know that he said that I thought was interesting that I've never heard from anyone else is he said that it almost looked translucent. Yes. Like it was shimmering. And we've heard that before yes. about other UFO encounters like seeing seeing stuff up in the sky that it was like that shimmery yeah translucent translucent shimmer Mm -hmm. and he said that and that was the first time i'd heard it about these actual lights so he must have been up 
pretty close to see that is yeah. what I'm thinking. And you got to keep this in mind too. Now we don't get into politics. It's not what we do, but no. this is a governor of a state mm -hmm. and he was a pilot, an yeah. air force pilot. I mean, look, I don't know if you like the guy or not. It is what it is, but there's got to be some baseline credibility here. Well, yeah. I mean, and he didn't come out and say this till you no. know, he's retired because yeah. now he's like, I'm just a person yeah. now. He's like, you know? Goldie Hawn, F it. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, go for I, it. You know, I can say, and we find this happens all the time. They wait till, you know, they're basically safe. Well, they don't have so anything to lose say, Yeah, he's not going to lose an election or anything else. Right. So, But I, th I found that very interesting. Yeah, very much so. Now, like we said earlier, this is Arizona. Yep. People see stuff in the sky Man, all the time. I so, think uh, 5,000 reported MUFON incidences, I think. Yeah, I mean, if we sat here and told you about everything that ever happened, yeah. we'd be here for days. But these are concerning lights and stuff. These are, you know, some confirmed things. Right. Um, now, this is much later, of course. But there have been lights that were reported by observers and recorded by the local Fox News television station on February 6th of 2007. Yeah, that's quite okay. a bit yeah, later. Now, according to military officials and the FAA, they were flares dropped by F-16 Fighting Falcon aircraft training at Luke Air Force Base, which is in Phoenix. Right. And I can tell you that... F so we're at flares again. Yeah, we're at flares again. <laughs> and these F-16s, I don't think, can fire Lu-2s. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I was, I was Navy Aviation. So I don't know as much about the F-16s, but I don't think they can carry that pod to fire those Lu-2s, so they wouldn't just hover. These things would... Well, the F-16s are like the, what you see on the, the aircraft pilot. Car yeah. carriers, right? No, no, that's F-14. Yeah, but... And F-18. The, they're updated, though, the F-16. No. No. F-16 is an older so aircraft. So what's it look like? So it, it looks like a lawn dart, honestly. Oh, okay. Um, it's a single-seater, and um, the F-18s are too, but they also have the Super Hornet. Anyway, long story short... An F-16 is is an Air Force craft. It's a single-seater, and it kind of looks like a flying lawn dart. Okay, it's an older aircraft. Okay. Do you have, I know you probably haven't seen it, but I'm older. But do you ever see Iron Eagle? No. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> Generation X. Um, but it's an it was an aircraft used in that movie. But the F-14 is obviously the Top Gun one, and the F-18 is from the new Top Gun. So those are the three different aircraft that we're talking about. I just figured that was like the middle one. And they would all look you would pretty think, much the same. You would think it with numbering. Sense to me. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know? But, okay. So, if it's shaped like that, then where would the lights be on an, an F-16? So, every military aircraft, and actually really pretty much every aircraft, you have to have your wingtips are got, are got, have uh, red, and, red and green. And then, um, I think there's also some illumination in the front. Um, but that's pretty much it for the most part. Unless you're landing, when landing gear comes down, there's this ginormous spotlight. But you can't mistake that. So they would have seen lights on the plane and the flares if that's what would have happened. Yes. Correct. Yes. And heard it, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what would you ever hear it? I'm calling shenanigans. Yeah, big time shenanigans. Okay. Now, on April 21st of 2008, which is barely like a year, you know, a little yeah. over a year later... Um, lights were reported over Phoenix by local residents. Now, these lights appeared to change from a square to triangular formation over time. Okay, explain this one. <laughs> now, a Valley resident reported that shortly after the lights appeared, three jets were seen heading west in the direction of the lights. 
An official from Luke Air Force Base denied any U.S. Air Force activity in the area. Hmm. That one's interesting. The, so they the scrambled changing. jets. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, why would they do that? <clears throat> no. And they at least actually admitted something this yeah, time. Yeah, they said it wasn't us. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> eh, I can't keep this up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, when it comes right down to it. Why are they always dropping flares? I don't understand that. Why is that always like the go-to excuse? Well, when you're when you're doing when you're practicing war games, you would drop flares because typically, and this is going to be a long one, so I'll just well, make just, it quick. Yeah, let's just really short. Yeah, I'll shorten it like, up, tighten it up, tighten it up. <clears throat> but so for when, those of us that don't want to like get really bored, sure. When like you're playing, <laughs> I'll make it quick. When you're playing war mm -hmm. games, okay, two, 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 four. How many of your aircraft go up? One person's going to be the one person, the other guy's going to be the enemy, and you just sort of play. Well, part of it is they launch these flares to see if, if they can cover up their their signal, their heat signature. So okay, that it, so, it so can they can't track them and, like, <clears throat> shoot them down. Right. Well, yes. And long story short, yes. Okay, so <clears throat> here's a point I'm going to make about Arizona. <laughs> if you are doing war games, you have got... So much desert with literally nothing out there. True. If you ever go to the north of Arizona where the Grand Canyon is, like all that, you know, there's a lot of reservation, Navajo mm -hmm. reservation up there. Um, Beautiful area. There is, you can drive for hours, hours and not see anything. Yeah. But we're choosing to do war games over Phoenix. Doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. <clears throat> no. That's why, I mean, now I know Luke Air Force Base is right there, but those jets can fly a long way. Well, sure they can. So why do that right over the top of a huge city, Phoenix or Tucson, when you've got literally from there to almost Mexico, nothing but desert the answer, or nothing north? The answer is you wouldn't. I mean, until you get to even Flagstaff in Sedona, and Sedona's not big, it's just beautiful, it's a small little town, but even Flagstaff, I mean, it's a bigger city, but it's, and then you're getting into the mountains, and that makes a little bit different, different terrain. There is nothing. I mean, Death Valley. Yeah. I can tell you that from being my military background, you wouldn't, because here's the thing. They would not endanger personnel and civilian lives by doing war games directly over them. Mm -hmm. Because if the aircraft stalls and they've got to eject, now you've got this projectile running to the ground. Going to kill a lot of people if it's over right. a large metropolitan area. So the short answer is, you don't. Right. And I said Death Valley. That's in California. It is, but still. Yeah, so, but going that they way. They fly there. Going that way is Death Valley. And then you got Monument Valley is what I meant to say. Monument Valley. Right. You know, all the famous pictures are, you know, Forrest Gump was running down the road. <laughs> I mean, you could see just from, from, from Forrest Gump that there's nothing out there. <laughs> so why choose over a huge city to do this stuff where these things could fall oh and gosh. crash and... It just, it's a dumb excuse. <laughs> and then I was running. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to appeal to people who may not know. I mean, no, everybody it, knows Forrest Gump. So. It is a very huge amount of area that you would want mm -hmm. to do. And the Barry Goldwater Range is one of them, by the way. So they do um, war games over that. Um, where is that? So it's in Phoenix. It, well, not in, but, you know, on the outskirts of Phoenix, mm -hmm. which is where Luke Air Force Base, I think, conducts most of their training. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Davis Month, and there's some areas around, you know, Tucson also. But anyway, the answer is you wouldn't. Right. Okay. So, kind of got 
the official party line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the government saying, well, it was flares and it was A-10s or whatever, Lutus and all this stuff. And then you've got, um, you know, several incidents, several incidences afterwards. But here, here's my, my thoughts. Okay. So I'm going to give you the plain devil's advocate, if you will, for the military. Because, you know, military makes mistakes. Just human, just like everybody else. If you were a military installation in a ginormous metropolitan area, Okay. You've got Kurt Russell calling in UFOs. You've got. <laughs> you, so funny. I know. And you've got, uh, not that he'd ever see this, but Kurt, sorry. Um, and you've got corroborated stories from, you know, up north, and it's literally making its way down to you. Mm-hmm. And you've got seconds to respond. Okay. So in my line of work in the military, we had the alert five, which meant you always had aircraft ready to go in case bad things are happening. So is it more plausible, given the U-2 scenario, that you launch these aircraft thinking, oh, crap, there's something coming, and then have an aircraft capable of launching Lu-2s start raining down flares to try to throw off heat signatures because they're trying to find this freaking thing. Two incidents, remember, two incidences. One are these lights, these Lu-2s, and the other are these V-shaped aircraft, which, by the way, these V-shaped aircraft moved. Mm -hmm. They were fast. So there was probably a lot of what we call cat and mouse going on, okay? They couldn't find them. They're giving away... The worst thing you can do in the military in any engagement is give away your position. So how do these aircraft not give away their position? Well, they launch these flares so they don't know where they're at. They have no idea what these UFOs can do or what they can see. So you launch these things. Now, again, this is under the supposed Lu-2 thing. Right. And they start to notice that these V-shaped objects are headed towards Tucson. Being a Tucson native, I'm going to tell you why that's important. Any Tucson native listening to this, you know what I'm about to say. You've got the Titan missiles. There is a very important missile range in Tucson. Don't worry, I'm not giving away any great, you know, mysteries. Very well known. It's advertised everywhere. You can even, I think they even give tours of the silos. But that's where the missile ranges were. And in addition to that, the boneyard is there. Mm -hmm. The entire, so when you have aircraft that are being, um, you know, taken into what they call mothballs, they usually park them in Tucson. There's a place called retirement. Davis, they retire. It's a retirement home. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's a retirement home. They wrap them up, get them ready in case we ever need them again. So those are two very important spots that now all of a sudden, if you're worried about somebody getting that information, you scramble the heck out of jets and you follow them because you don't want them going to Tucson with yeah. just any kind of idea. So if you follow the party line, that's what that's the only explanation I will give about these Lou two signals or Lu two flares. I don't buy it. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. My opinion is that was just a bunch of different lights coming from UFOs. I don't think there were that one big thing, the the one separate event. I don't think that was one ginormous aircraft across the entire you know Phoenix sky. That'd be impossible people would see that now. I think that those were there. They were observers. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows what they were? 
these V-shaped aircraft, the second incident, there's no shortage of V-shaped aircraft UFO sightings, not just in Phoenix. We're talking, we covered Hudson Valley. Hudson Valley had several of them. Yes, they did. So this is not anything we haven't come across before. Mm -hmm. V-shaped UFOs are known. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my soapbox spiel over the whole thing. Well, it makes, so when was, you know, it's my favorite plane and it's at, actually at that, what's the name of that? That SR-71. Yeah, the SR-71. It's such a cool looking plane. Yeah. Where did they get the idea for that? The well, shape of that? That's what I'm saying. When was that? When did they build it? So that was a that was an aircraft from the late 60s, early 70s. Okay. Yes. And you, you can you make... You know, you can I make, mean, honestly. There are a lot of strides in... Okay. This is a much deeper rabbit hole, but we're going to talk about it real quick. Right. Well, it's just an idea. I mean, it's always <clears> been kind <throat> of an idea. Like, when you see this thing, it is different than... Yeah. Any other plane. Yeah, the SR-71 was amazing. It's so freaking cool. Long since been retired, but it was mm -hmm. amazing. But they have one. Yeah. At, what's the name of that? Well, it's the Boneyard is what I always call it, but it's no, just but the Davis Monthan. Um, no, it's not not that. I'm talking about the one that's in Vail. The one that you Vail. can pay tickets to go see. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's still considered part of Davis Monthan. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but... Yeah, that was a that was a late late sixties, early seventies production. But mm -hmm. you gotta think during that time, it's kinda when UFOlogy just kinda started taking off. And that's you know, when technology had a big uh -huh. boom. The microwave. Microwave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's interesting. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Fiber optics. Yeah. All that stuff. I mean that I mean that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. But it's really cool because they have this SR-71 in one of the hangars. Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah. And you can pay, I mean, you can go to this place. You can pay tickets and, and you know, go see. Actually, I, I need to go back and find some of the pictures I took of it. I think I even have a video because they have, like, a display that talks about it. And they have a button you can push to hear what it would have sounded like, yeah, like, loud. you know, starting up. It's so cool. And I'm not a plane person <laughs> like an automobile person or anything like that but it's just and you can walk underneath it and it's just so sleek and just and it's different than everything it else you've ever was. seen in fact <clears throat> that particular uh place is in uh i think it's uh i know it's in transformers but i think it's revenge of the falling actually that aircraft is used in that movie oh yeah that's yeah. right i forgot about um that. Mm -hmm. the sr-71 was just an interesting aircraft first of all it <clears throat> it bled hydraulic fluid everywhere until you got it up in the air. So it it, it was an interesting. But the idea of the shape. Yeah. Where did that come from? I, I the flying wing shape, for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. V. And it's supposed to be silent, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't meant to be silent. It's just that, well, no, the, it's supposed to be. They they kind of that's how they advertise it. Was quieter, but it was mainly the the fact that it could fly at such a high altitude. It basically could almost go into space. Yeah. Okay. So, and it would be very stealthy. Uh, hey, I know. Going to space. I'm following you guys. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm though. with you. Okay. They're making it. It's it's black. Yeah. It's shaped like a triangle. Yeah. It was supposed to be quiet. Oh, I know. And, you know, fall under the radar where nobody, you know, it was supposed to be stealthy. It's a stealth fighter, right? Well, in the other, uh, I'm sorry, let me cut you off. No, you're fine. Just so. So the other explanation that a lot of people give is this, what they call neutral buoyancy aircraft, okay? So long story short, neutral buoyancy means it can float, right? 
It's not going going to go up. It's not going to go down. It just kind of goes. And they claim that these V-shaped things were these neutral buoyant aircraft that could fly and carry maybe like a SEAL team or something like that. Now, I'm not denying the fact that there are probably these neutral buoyant aircraft. Okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you if you have why do you zero, need that in the desert? Well, not just that. <laughs> that make any sense. But how asinine would it be to have an entire SEAL Team Six? We'll just say in and in, in a zero point aircraft that's moving really slow that can be shot down out of nowhere. That I mean, no it doesn't make any no. sense. But that's that's my end of what I I feel about it. Well, I think I've already pretty much given my opinion over the course of this hour or so. But, I mean, I feel the same. I think it was just a big excuse. They didn't want, I mean, the the governor even said he didn't want everybody to basically freak out. Right. Right. And he knew, it. he called it actually in an interview that it, he knew that it was otherworldly even at that time. Right. But chose to make like light of the situation so people wouldn't basically freak out. He said even- that. He said the word otherworldly. Sure did. I'm sorry. I mean, and we know, you know, the military and stuff is starting to come out about this because they know they can't hide it anymore. But back then, still, it was still, hmm. we got to cover this up because they're not wrong. I mean, we as humans, we get upset about the slightest things. So you got to control mass hysteria. Yes, and what's the best way? Oh, it was just our military messing around, right? Right. That's how you control it. So people don't, you know, go insane, basically. Right. So, yes, it was a UFO. I 100% believe that. All these people saw it. Kurt Russell saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm ne- I love Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty amazing. I love And Goldie Hawn. I love both of them. But, you know, it... I mean, I it happened. It did. I don't think it was military anything. That is my opinion. Well, what do you guys think? This is your show. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Let us know. Comments. Um, you know, this is this is definitely the one of the most seen UFO sightings in not just I think U.S. history globally. Mm-hmm. And it's it a hap- big one. And it happened in my backyard, so it was just it was just wild, but. Listen, guys, thank you so much for, for stopping by and, and talking with us about this. Um, we have been absolutely floored by the, the amount of support that we've gotten recently. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for subscribing. And if you haven't yet and you're still listening, you know, like, subscribe, comment, do whatever you want. Um, you know, this is your guys' show as much as it is ours. So, And if you'd like to be a guest um, to tell your story or, you know, basically anything, just want to write to us. Info at gxparanormal.com. You can reach out to us and we'll um, set it up. All right, guys. Thank you and uh, have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Check out our YouTube at Generation X Paranormal. Also, check out our Facebook, Generation X Paranormal Podcast. Love to have you. See you then.